0: 102.5 FM, KXSF LP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. What would you choose to be smarter or wiser over time? Wouldn't it make more sense to become wiser than smarter if it contributes to your overall happiness? Today, I'm talking with Dr. Dilip Jeste, a leading neuroscientist on wisdom, who will share the neurobiology and psychology of what makes us wise and how we can nurture our wisdom. Thank you for joining me on SPARK today, Dr. Jeste.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: How do you define wisdom? Wisdom is a personality trait. That means
1: it describes a person's characteristic pattern of behavior, thinking, feeling, acting. Wisdom has several specific components. These include empathy and compassion, emotional regulation, self-reflection, accepting diversity of perspectives, decisiveness. And spirituality. Let me say a few words about each of these to clarify. So, the first and probably the most important one is empathy and compassion. It refers to things that we do for other people rather than selfishly for ourselves. Empathy means understanding and sharing somebody's emotions or thoughts, compassion means acting on it and helping somebody else. Emotional regulation, means control over our emotions. Think about a teenager. His emotions fluctuate from hour to hour and minute to minute. And think about an older, wiser adult who is calm, has control over the emotions. The third one is self-reflection. It is the ability to look inwards, try to understand our own behavior. When something goes wrong, natural tendency is to blame somebody else for something else. Instead of that, we should think about, did I make some mistake? Did I go wrong in some way that I can improve next time? That is self-reflection. Next comes something that is sadly lacking these days, which is accepting different perspectives. So I may have certain values, but I can understand why somebody else may have different value systems. We don't have to agree with each other, but we can respect the fact that different people can have different value systems. The next one is decisiveness. While we accept uncertainty and diversity of perspectives, we have to be decisive when needed. We cannot be sitting on the fence all the time. And lastly, and this is somewhat controversial component of wisdom, is spirituality, spirituality which is different from religiosity. Religiosity means belief in a specific religious system with is scripture, temples, mosques, whatever, um, and practices. Spirituality means connectedness with something or someone that we can't see or hear or sense. And we can call that consciousness, soul, spirit, or God. So. Those are the components of wisdom.
0: Do you have to have all components to be wise or to have wisdom? Only higher in certain ones and perhaps lower in others.
1: We all have our strengths and limitations. And I don't think there are too many people who are very strong in each of them. So, no, we don't need to have all of them to the same extent. At the same time, we cannot have total lack or opposite of one of these. Spirituality is the only one where there is some controversy, so not everybody accepts that as a part of wisdom. But the other five components I mentioned, I think really we need to have it at least to some extent. We not be strong in every one of them, but they should not be totally absent.
0: It sounds like empathy and compassion are the most important components.
1: There is no question about that. People often confuse wisdom and intelligence. Uh, Intelligent people have high IQ, they're very smart. However, they're not necessarily empathic and compassionate. Some of the mass murderers and terrorists, they're very intelligent, they're very smart, but they lack empathy and compassion. And that's why empathy and compassion, things we do for others, are really critical. As humans, we are a social species. We need one another for our own survival and thriving. And that's why empathy and compassion really are critical components of wisdom.
0: Is wisdom defined similarly across cultures? Yeah,
1: usually people think about wisdom as a concept that varies from culture to culture, society to society, but that's not true at the basic level. The basic components of wisdom are similar across cultures. So when we started doing research on wisdom, you know, about 15 years ago, we looked at two very different documents of definition of wisdom. One was an ancient scripture in India called Gita, and the other was the modern Western literature. It was to look at the definitions of wisdom that were common to the Western literature in the second part and the first part components of wisdom that were described in the Gita. We thought that these two would be very different because the Gita was written thousands of years ago in a very different part of the world. But the modern Western literature is clearly Western and only since the 1970s. Surprisingly, we found that the definitions from these two sources were very similar. They both included... Empathy and compassion, self-reflection, emotional regulation, decisiveness, spirituality. Uh, There were some minor differences. For example, materialism is strongly denounced in the ancient scriptures, but uh, it is not um, devalued in the modern Christian literature. So there are some minor differences, but the similarities are really striking. And if you think about it, most religions, they all talk about the need for empathy, compassion, emotional regulation, self reflection and so on. So basic, the basic constructs are similar. There may be minor superficial differences.
0: Interesting. Your research indicates there's a biological base for wisdom and it's tied to how we also emotionally regulate ourselves. Can you talk about this? So as I said, when we found
1: that the basic construct of wisdom was similar in the ancient scriptures versus what it is today, Pretend that, that that construct has not changed over thousands of years and across thousands of miles. That probably means that it is biologically based, because if it is biologically based, then it won't change from millennia ago to what it is today. Is biologically best? Where would it be best? Obviously, in the brain. Where in the brain? And so that was actually a part of our research was to find out where in the brain wisdom is located. So what we did was we looked at each component of wisdom that I mentioned: empathy, compassion, emotional regulation, self-reflection, and looked at the various studies that were done to examine different parts of the brain, studies using brain imaging, for example, EEG, neurochemistry, neuropathology, looking at the brains of people, so on and so forth, even some animal studies. And, you know, there are so many different regions in the brain, so we expected that probably all these various different regions would be involved in different components of wisdom. That was not the case. We found only Two main areas of the brain were are involved in all these components of wisdom. Those areas are prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is a very front part of our brain, and that is the newest part of the brain in the evolution. But the second part that was common was striatum or amygdala. That is the oldest part of the brain in evolution. All animals that have brains have that amygdala. So it is really interesting to think about that, that wisdom means balance between the newest and the oldest part of
0: the brain. It's about also emotional regulation, right? The ability to, as you say, balance between selfish and pro-social behaviors or negative or positive behaviors, like having the ability to judge what that balance looks like.
1: No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's an important question. What happens is this. We are born with selfish instincts. We have to be for our survival. We cannot survive if we don't take care of ourselves, right? So you see these infants and toddlers and three- and four-year-olds, a number of them are selfish in the sense they want their own toys and they won't want to share it with their siblings or other kids. They say, this is my toy. I'm not going to give it to you. Also, they don't have much emotional regulation, When they don't get something for temper tantrum. It's fine to rage. Why did I not get this? As we grow, though, we learn to control those things. We become more empathic and compassionate. We learn to share our toys our whatever gifts we have, whatever we have with other people, right? Uh, Similarly, uh, when we are frustrated, we are upset, we don't immediately go into anger, panic, depression. We control our emotions. Why does that happen? That happens because the newer part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex that is described to you, that takes control, it exerts control over the basic human instincts. That's why we control our emotions even when we are frustrated. We share things with others even though selfishly we may want them because that is something that helps the human species and not only ourselves. And so that is where actually this balance comes into play between the parts of the brain that allow us to be selfish and take care of ourselves but the those parts that control those impulses and help us be more pro-social.
0: So I can see how if wisdom is a biological component of our brain, then it's, it's able to stay consistent over time as to what it is. But isn't there a learning component to it as well? It sounds like you learn to be pro-social, right? Or else you could just stay selfish.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. As I said, wisdom is a personality trait. Most of the traits are only partly genetically determined. But so typically, a trait is 50% determined by genes, which means that 50% of the trait is affected by environment and behavior. You know, of course, when I say 50%, I don't mean to be precise. It could vary a bit. But the part, so, and you, you see that. You see that there are some traits, some young people who are really quite affectionate toward others. They have good control over their emotions. They are self-reflective. And others are very different. As people get older, with experiences, we change some. We become more empathic, compassionate, emotionally regulated, and so on. Uh, and that's actually the book that uh, I wrote, Wiser. The purpose of the book is talking about how we can become wiser. person at any age, and practically any person, whether with or without diseases, can become wiser if we practice the right things.
0: I'm going to uh, get to that as we unfold in the end, how we can nurture our wisdom. I do want to ask you, backing up to how if you have intellect without empathy or compassion, you are more motivated to commit crimes because you don't care what happens to other humans. But isn't the intellect tied to the brain? And then, therefore, is wisdom a function of both heart, the emotional aspect, and the brain and the intellectual aspect. So would it be a combination of both emotional and intellectual then? Absolutely. So, Wisdom is
1: not purely intelligence. And that's why I mentioned that wisdom is different from intelligence. Wisdom quotient is different from IQ uh, because emotions are critical. The smartest people, people with the highest IQ are not necessarily the wisest people. Wise people have emotional regulation. They are empathic, compassionate toward others. So they use their emotions not only to help themselves but also to help other people. You're absolutely right. Wisdom is not merely intelligence. It is both intelligence and emotion. Now, you know, in everyday language, we talk about emotions as being connected to heart. Uh, In reality, emotions are connected to the brain. It's not really heart. So both with the intelligence and emotions actually reside in our brain in different parts of the brain Uh, as i said this prefrontal cortex and amygdala amygdala is mainly connected with emotions and prefrontal cortex with control over emotions as well as other things like empathy and compassion
0: i understand what you're saying now you're saying since they both reside in the brain You would describe it from a scientific standpoint that that's where it's all coming from. The question then becomes, wisdom tend to be associated with experience or age. Do you believe that's the case? Because we do see younger people who seem wise for their age, and then we do see older people who don't seem very wise for their age. Yes,
1: you're absolutely right. I mean, there are young people who are wise and some old people who are very unwise. There's no question about that. However, by and large, as we get older, obviously we get exposed to different experiences, good experiences, bad experiences. And those experiences shape our behavior. But experiences shape behaviors in different ways in different people. We all know about uh, natural disasters like earthquakes, tsunami, fires, you know, COVID-19. When those things happen, many people, become very stressed out, depressed, anxious. They develop what is called PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which lasts for months and years. But not everybody develops PTSD. Some people develop the exact opposite, what is called post-traumatic growth. So instead of being stressed out, they grow from it. They become wiser. They know how to prevent future disasters. So my point is the same experience, right? The same natural disaster produced PTSD in some people and post-traumatic growth in others. What that means is it is not the experience itself that brings wisdom. It is how you deal with the experience that brings wisdom.
0: I think that's a really good point. If we were to encapsulate based on your studies on wisdom, would you say it's a combination then of learning life lessons, genetic, personality trait, and state of mind as to how you problem solve?
1: Exactly. I think it is a combination of genes as well as our behavior and environment. You know, the genes define our structure, structure of the brain, as well as that other organs. However, the functioning of those genes can be affected by behavior. To give you a different kind of an example, let us say... There are two people who are born with genes for smoking. I'm sorry, genes for lung cancer. Okay, there are two people with strong genes for lung cancer. One of them smokes a lot and the other one doesn't smoke at all. It is very likely that the person who doesn't smoke at all would not develop lung cancer, whereas the other one would. Now, they both have the same genes. Why did one person develop lung cancer and not others? Because of their behavior and environment. Likewise, we are born with genes which affect several things. However, those things can be changed. And here, actually, I want to talk about brain. The notion that brain doesn't change is wrong. Brain changes. Brain changes all the time. It changes even in older age. If we keep ourselves active, if we keep ourselves active physically as well as cognitively, socially, the brain continues to evolve even in old age, and that's something worth stressing. That we have much more control over our body and functioning than we think we
0: do. Brain, depending on what we put into it, it sounds like determines what we get out of it. Is that the best way to put it?
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a very nice way of. In that sense, if something's don't work. We should not necessarily blame it on our parents or our genes, but think about what we can do to improve. Uh, and there are many things that can improve, even in later life. Again, not everything. clearly. There are some things which are beyond our control. But let's say it again. we have more control than we think we do.
0: So sometimes when you, when you start to think, well, if wisdom is genetic, then you're born with a certain amount of wisdom. But what you're saying that you can decide what that looks like, how that's going to be expressed over time.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, you can see that with even physical illnesses. There are some families with a strong family history of, say, diabetes or heart disease. but not everybody in the family gets that condition. Some people who are very active, who follow healthy lifestyle, have a lower chance of developing those diseases as part of having the genes.
0: How can one nurture and increase wisdom as a way of life?
1: And again, in our book, Wiser, that that's what we have done, is to describe the strategies to increase specific components of wisdom. I can give you examples. So let's say empathy and compassion. So one way to increase it is keeping a gratitude journal before going to bed. Write a couple of things that happen during the day that make you feel grateful. If you do that regularly, we get up in the morning, next day, and we think about what am I going to write tonight? And so we look for those things. Similarly, we can write a couple of things in which we perform random acts of kindness Then we go and help strangers. And we have to write two such things. So again, we will then start thinking about what two such things we can do. So that makes it a habit then, right? So that is one way. And you don't need necessarily to write. You can talk to somebody about that, or whatever you you do it's fine. Another way of increasing empathy compassion is by volunteering, especially volunteering in places where people are disabled. For example, children with autism or people in nursing homes uh, who have dementia or people with physical disabilities. If you spend some time regularly, you become empathic and compassionate towards them. And One thing I want to mention is compassion is not necessarily toward other people. It's also toward ourselves. Sometimes you find people who are very compassionate to others but very harsh on themselves, and that's not good. You have to take care of yourself also. We don't want to be selfish, but we have to take care of ourselves. And there are strategies also for increasing self-compassion, which is, for example, that when you make a mistake, and you feel bad, you are blaming yourself, and you continue that for a long time, that's not useful. If your friend came to you and said that she made a mistake and she's feeling guilty, can't get over it, you'll say, Go not worry about that. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, I made mistakes, others have made mistakes. So there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. You learn from it, you grow from it, and you forget about it. That's what we need to tell ourselves for increasing self-compassion.
0: Wrapping up, Where can listeners find your book, Wiser?
1: So there's a website called wiserthebook.com. Also, you can get it on Amazon uh, as well as uh, other bookstores.
0: It's a great book to put next to my desk to remind me to be wiser every day. Thank you so much for joining me on Spark today, Dr. Jeste.
1: Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure talking to you.